the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We're continuing to talk about Martin Luther King Jr., 10 Things You Might Not Know, and later, Why Our Minds Are Spinning. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. It's good to be back. I was out last week, and as Brian and I, Brian and I kind of reunited earlier in today's show, so be sure to go back and listen to that. It was a warm reunion. A warm reunion. No, we talked know, about the Chicago Cold Everything's warm bit. right now compared to what's <laughs> happening in the world. It's so or true. In our, in our outside, yes. yes. So but it's true. good to be back together. Good to be back. Good to be back today on Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial Day, Remembrance Day. Remembrance. Uh, Remembrance Day. If you've missed any of today's show, go back and catch up on our podcast, wherever it is you stream and download and listen to your um, pods, those pods you cast. You can also connect with us on social media. We are at Common Good Talk on Facebook and on Instagram as well. Okay. Brian, I thought this was kind of interesting. History.com shared this. 10 things you may not know about Martin Luther King Jr. Surprising facts about the civil rights leader. And this was kind of fun because, you know, I feel like there are certain things we all sort of collectively yep. know and share and quote about MLK. And so this was kind of just a different Number one, shocking it. to me. Can I do number one just because yeah, I'm so surprised? I know. Yeah, do it. Do it. Because I've always wondered, <clears throat> excuse me. About his name, Martin Luther, and then yeah. the famous Reformationist, Martin yeah. Luther. I was always like, is that just coincidental? Is that just – well, right. we read here at History.com, King's birth name was Michael, not Martin. King was Crazy. born Michael King Jr. on January fifteenth, 1929. In 1934, however, his father, a pastor at Atlanta's Ebenezer Baptist Church, traveled to Germany and became inspired by Protestant Reformation leader Martin Luther. As a result, King Sr. changed his own name as well as that of his five-year-old son. So he was just Michael King he was just Jr. Michael King Jr. And at the age of five, his dad becomes ins- – could you imagine, first of no. all – no. Being so inspired by something that you go, I'm going to change my name. And my five year old kids. And name? then go, <laughs> I'm going to change my son's name as well. And therefore, no. for the rest of history, that's how we get Martin Luther King Jr. I've always wondered that because the name, you're just right. like, that can't be a coincidence. Right. Well, so I always assumed the father was inspired by Martin Luther. But like early enough that that was his given name at birth. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I knew he was named after Martin Luther from Germany, but I didn't realize it was this, like after he was born and later on in life. So no, I cannot imagine one, the adult changing his name. That part feels wild. But then the five-year-old, like all of a sudden this poor kid has been called Michael his whole life and now it's Martin Luther. But obviously 
it worked, right? That's right. That's right. That's crazy. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay. I, that is a fact I did not know. All right. Nope. How about this one? I didn't know this either. Martin Luther King Jr. entered college at the age of 15. Ooh. He was such a gifted student. He skipped grades 9 through 12. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. 9 and 12. 9 and 12. So he went okay. to 10th and 11th grade. Before enrolling in 1944 at Morehouse College, the alma mater of his father and maternal grandfather. Although he was the son, grandson, and great-grandson of Baptist ministers, King did not intend to follow the family vocation. Until Morehouse President Benjamin E. Mays, a noted theologian, convinced him otherwise. King was ordained before graduating college with a degree in sociology. Fifteen, he went That's to college. Ninth and twelfth grade. Unbelievable. All right. Number three, uh, Martin Luther King received his doctorate in systematic theology. Oh, I love that. After earning a divinity degree from Pennsylvania's Crozer Theological Seminary, King attended graduate school at Boston University, where he received his Ph.D. degree in 1955. The title of his dissertation, this is a, this is just a simple title, this is nothing, uh, was a comparison of the conceptions of God in the thinkings of in the thinking of Paul Tillich and Henry Nelson Wyman. Sure, why not? Why not? I, just your I gotta average. be honest, I haven't read that one. I have not read that one. <laughs> That one's that's been on my Amazon list for a while. I haven't gotten to it yet either. Uh, okay, I didn't know this either, Ryan. King's "I Have a Dream" speech was not his first at the Lincoln Memorial. Mm. Six years before his iconic oration at the March on Washington, King was among the civil rights leaders who spoke in the shadow of the Great Emancipator during the prayer pilgrimage for freedom on May seventeenth, nineteen fifty-seven. Before a crowd estimated at between 15,000 and 30,000, King delivered his first national address on the topic of voting rights. His speech in which he urged America to give, to give us the ballot drew strong reviews and positioned him at the forefront of the civil wow. rights leadership. Amazing. I did not know that. I listened wow. to a podcast over the summer. I listened to this podcast about like famous speeches. It's really yeah. kind of fascinating. And one of them was about the Eye of a Dream speech. I'm going to get this wrong, but in my memory, it like that, that was a very late addition to the speech. The eye of a dream part, it actually went kind of, and it was like you, him crafting it and other people speaking mm. into it. And the eye of a dream title wasn't it. That wasn't it until like really close to when it was delivered. That's kind of wow. my memory of it. It was wow. really fascinating. All right. Amazing. Uh, number five, Martin Luther King was imprisoned nearly 30 times. Dang, I knew he was imprisoned a lot. I didn't know 30 times. Right. According to the King Center, the civil rights leader went to jail 29 times. He was arrested for acts of civil disobedience and on trumped up charges, such as when he was jailed in Montgomery, Alabama in 1956 for driving mm -hmm. 30 miles per mm -hmm. hour in a 25 mile per hour zone. Dang. 30 times Dang. or 29 times. Dang. That's crazy. Wow. All right. This one, uh, this one is, I mean, this is just so sad. King narrowly escaped an assassination attempt a decade before his death. On September 20th, 1958, King was in Harlem signing copies of his new book, Stride Toward Freedom, in Blumstein's department store when he was approached by Isola Ware Curry. The woman asked if he was Martin Luther King Jr. He said yes. Curry said, I've been looking for you for five years. And she plunged a seven-inch letter opener into his chest. 
The tip of the blade came to rest alongside his aorta. King underwent hours of delicate emergency surgery. Surgeons later told King that just one sneeze could have punctured the aorta and killed him. Uh, Listen to this from his hospital bed where he convalesced for weeks. King issued a statement affirming nonviolent principles and saying he felt no ill will toward his mentally ill attacker. It is amazing when you read about uh, failed assassination attempts. Yeah. So that one or the President Reagan one or Mm -hmm. Theodore Roosevelt where like Mm -hmm. his his Bible or something stopped the bullet or something. And then they just keep going. And you're like, gosh, if somebody tried to kill me over what I was doing, I would really give a lot of thought to what I was doing. <laughs> I know. I think I might decide I'm done now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. These, I know some of these people are very brave in pursuing what they felt like they were Yeah. This to one was crazy. Amazing. Number seven. And then we'll get moving here. Uh, King's last speech, uh, his last public speech foretold his death. Mm. Uh, in April of 1968, he came to Memphis to support the strike of the city's black garbage workers. And in a speech on the night before his assassination, he told an audience at the Mason Temple Church, like anyone, I'd like to have a long life. Longevity have its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I've seen the promised land. And mm. he goes on to talk about how he kind of thinks wow. he's going to die soon. And then wow. that is the last speech he gave before he was assassinated. Oh, no way. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay, let me share these last two. Yeah. Members of King's family did not believe James Earl Ray acted alone. Mm-hmm. Ray, a career criminal, uh, criminal, pled guilty to King's assassination, but later recanted. King's son, Dexter, met publicly with Ray in 1997 and argued for the case to be reopened. King's widow, Coretta, believed the mafia and the local, state, and federal government agencies were deeply involved in the murder. She praised the result of a 1999 civil trial in which a Memphis jury decided the assassination was the result of a conspiracy. And then another one, uh, King's mother was also slain by a bullet. I did not know that. that. She was killed in 1974. And then the last one is this. George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and Cesar Chavez are the only other Americans to have had their birthdays observed as a national holiday. So there you go. Ten things you might not have known. That's great. That's helpful. I know. I love that. I think that's so fascinating. All right, Brian, coming up next, saw a story about a kid who went viral and how the parents reacted. We're just going to kind of talk about this from a parent's perspective when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. Thrilled that you are with us on this freezing cold Monday evening. We hope you are sitting by the fire listening to your radio, like in the good old days. Like families would gather around the living room and light a fire (laughs) and listen to their favorite radio program. We hope that's what's happening. I like right to picture now. that. I like to picture You're people like doing an old timey, you know, turning the dial and sipping on a brandy or an iced tea while they listen to the common good. <laughs> I like it. I, I do like, like that's to happening. Think of it. Hey, yeah. before we jump into this next story, uh, while you while you and I were apart, you had uh, an anniversary. It was your anniversary oh, yeah, on, uh, on Insurrection Remembrance Day. <laughs> nope, your anniversary. Uh, so this is like you and I for like a two-week window are on the same number because Carrie and I's anniversary is literally this coming weekend. Oh, okay. That's exciting. Congratulations. How was the anniversary? How was the celebrating? Yeah, yeah we're 23 years, so you'll be 24 oh. years. It was Oh, so yes, fun. you are 23. Yeah, yeah, I'm yep. 24 coming up. Yeah, yeah. Yep. We... um. 
We, I like how you tell me no, as if I don't know. No, I thought for a second I was already 24. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had fun. So I ended up like, we actually had plans to go into the city, go see a comedy show, spend the night. We had reservations at a um, a restaurant someone had given us a gift card to. And then the, you know, blizzard starts happening. So in the more so this wasn't on our actual anniversary. This was a week later. We had gone and done some like one of those painting like oh nice fun that was really fun on our actual anniversary but we had a like this whole plan and um this blizzard starts coming on friday as you all know kids got canceled school got canceled etc cetera, etc cetera. we didn't kevin's dad was going to drive in from rockford to watch the kids we didn't feel safe to have him drive so we told him not to come we cancel everything okay and then like it really wasn't that bad by like 6 p.m it was yep. like yeah the roads are kind of fine so we ended up just going to a local restaurant for dinner and then we had tickets to uh hassan minaj a comedy show at the chicago theater downtown but our show wasn't until 10 p.m and so at like eight o'clock we're finishing up our dinner and we're like let's just go downtown oh you and went so we did it we went it was great and we drove home it was a little snowy and we drove home we got home at 1 a.m which is not like us i no. basically was asleep all saturday i laid on the couch and i did not move i'm not i'm an old lady not prepared for something no, like that not at all not at although all. later i want to tell you about one of my new year's resolutions connected to that but we had a great time it was awesome. a lot of fun we didn't spend the night in the city or anything happy anniversary yeah, good for you now carrie and i time. we we our anniversaries this coming weekend january yeah, are you guys gonna do anything uh, literally, I turned to her last night. What should we do for anniversary? Like, <laughs> uh, but we did. It did hit us that we are one year away from twenty five. <gasps> That's and, like, a big that one. Feels like something where we can do something. Yeah, definitely. So, I don't know. Or... I I suspect this weekend it, at most we're going to go to dinner. Right? Go like I dinner. don't think it's getting. Sure. But get the mind working for twenty five. Twenty five for twenty. We went to Mexico. Nice. Uh, I don't know. We're we're start the move the the, yeah, the things in our like brain are starting you. to move about twenty five. I like this for you. This is very exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This actually, I'm glad you said that because now I feel like I could start putting away some money like for two right. years. Let's see, right. Let's see what happens. Twenty five is a big good. one. It's a big yeah, one. That's good. All right, Brian. Taking a little turn here, I want to talk about this story I read and just as parents. Uh, who, you know, uh, parents, we've both been married a long time, as we said. We yep. both have kids, older kids than this. But listen to this story. I saw this in the Washington Post. Five-year-old Abby Ndegi bounds down the stairs of his school bus, heads uh, right for his mom, who's filming her son's reaction to the first day of kindergarten. Okay? Uh, anyway, they talk about this whole thing. The mom says, hey, you did it. And I called it Abby. I think it's just Abe. Abe doesn't react to his excited mom's greeting. He's got something important on his mind. Mommy, Abe says, looking at his mom with stern expression. Terrible sandwich, by the way. (laughs) Thanks for letting me know, she says. Really terrible, he adds for emphasis. Okay, so that's it. That's all? Peanut butter and jelly sandwich she's complaining about. She shares that video on Instagram. And uh, this was in 2018. As he prepared to enter fourth grade just this year when the school year started, I guess it was last year at this point, she posted the video again with the hashtag back to school. And for some reason, uh, this less than 10 second video garnered more than 15 million views. No way. Making Abe instantly the, quote, terrible sandwich kid and internet famous overnight. So all of a sudden, 
The mother-son duo were sent down the surreal, exhilarating, sometime alarming path of viral fame. It included news coverage, multiple daytime talk shows, segments, celebrity shout-outs. Jennifer Garner apparently shouted out as well. Abe landed a content creator deal with Panera Bread. Okay. And a graphic design agency donated its service to help him start a funny merchandise line. There's now clothing with a cartoon of his face, and it says Terrible Sandwich, by the way. 50% of all the proceeds go to Feeding America, so that's good. Anyway, the point is, they went viral, and uh, the question is, from parents, like, what do you do about that? You've got a fourth grader who goes viral for something he did as a kindergartner. All of a sudden, there's, like, fame that they weren't expecting, essentially overnight, uh, then, as we all know, the fame goes away. Right. Right? So this kid becomes internet famous for a while. But at some point, that fame does not last unless for some reason this kid continues to put himself self into the spotlight making viral videos. And so what they're talking about over at the Washington Post is how kids are like, wait, I don't understand. Why don't people recognize me anymore? There's several stories like this of kids who've gone viral. Why don't I, why am I not famous anymore? And so parents are talking about how you kind of have to use this as like a reality check. Like fame Mm -hmm. does not last forever. This is interesting to me as a parent. Because, one, it's kind of a phenomenon. You don't know what goes viral and what doesn't. But to think about your precious kiddos experiencing all of that, and then it's just gone. First of all, the the randomness of what goes viral, because she had already posted that years before. She posted so, it in kindergarten. Here it is, like, what, four years later, five years later? And that gets to a little bit of how I'd answer this. At some point, you have to talk your kid through, like, this isn't, like, this is, like, random. This is just random. This is nothing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're going You're on. Not- Life is normal. I don't even know. I guess I would have done the talk shows and all of this probably, stuff. But like, probably. Probably. You got it. I know it's hard in the fourth grade. How do you help your kid recognize this? But at some level, you got to be like, this is fake. Right. Like, let's go have fun with it. It's yeah. going to go away. And next yeah. week, you know, this or that. Because Back you're right. You could really see how this could mess with a kid. Like, wait, I thought I was famous. I thought yeah. I was famous. And you're right. like, no, you're internet famous. That lasts like 15 minutes, 20 yeah, minutes. Yeah, that's like a totally different thing. And And not that Abe isn't a special kid, but like you're not famous because you're like – Right. Talented. Do you know? I mean, I, I'm sure Abe is talented, right. but he didn't do anything. He said a funny line. His mom put in a line. It hit the right moment. It had the right hashtag. Algorithms covered it. Done and done. That's not like you can't build anything on that. And you can't put your all of your hopes and your dreams into that kind of thing either. But yeah, I think you're right. I think you have to kind of go, hey, this is fun. We're going to ride this wave. And then we're moving on to normal life. Like this isn't our... Yeah. We don't keep chasing the tail of this thing. We're moving on. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. Uh, We're going to do a story tomorrow uh, about some things about social media and kids and protecting them, like a much bigger deal. But when it comes Mm. to being viral, I do think it's a talk about, right? 99.999% of posts won't go viral. Won't go viral. But but you know what a lot of our kids want? They want to go viral. And so it's even a conversation you can have with them about like, What's meaningful in life? Mm-hmm. What matters? Mm-hmm. What's a good life lived? What is, mm-hmm. you know, I do think maybe not in the fourth grade, but maybe with your freshman in high school, yeah. maybe with your 
Hey, yeah. what's the goal of life? What's trying to happen? Because internet famous is just a weird goal and it's out of your control and it's just not something yeah. to strive for. So yeah. there are probably deep conversations you could have. Now for a fourth grader, I'd probably just try to help him process it and get back to like little league. Little, and like, just go play outside. Go yeah. Be go your be your with your friends. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, so fascinating. Well, coming up next, maybe even related to internet and all of the insanity there, we're going to talk about why our minds are spinning so much. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. So glad that you are with us today on this chilly Monday evening. Um, We were just talking about kids going viral on the internet. And of course, one of the things that happens from being on the internet too much or our mindless scrolling that we do on the internet, obsessively checking email, binging on Netflix, (laughs) etc. We've become distracted people, right? Like, don't you say that's, that's pretty fair. Here's what I would say. Unless you're really intentional. The only people who aren't super distracted are the ones who intentional are intentional not to be. Yes. Don't you think? Like you oh, have to oh. like, yeah, I, decide. I'm putting my phone down. I'm not going online. I'm going to be in the moment. But it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, there's a deliberate nature to that that wasn't there maybe even five, 10 years ago. I almost think I'm almost becoming a believer that there's even takes more deliberate than that. Like, not only am I putting my phone down, but I'm going to start removing what's on my phone so that when I have my phone, like it's, it's just, I don't know. It's weird. Uh, I, I, I've yet to have necessarily the gumption to go all the way with it, but yeah, I am becoming yeah. more and more a believer. I met somebody at church yesterday who I hadn't seen in years, right? Yeah. Long story short, this guy from college who happened to be in town, he's like, he figured out I was a pastor here and he oh, just cool. showed up. It was really fun. And I was like, I joked with him. I'm like, wait, you're not on social media, right? And he gave this look like, no, I'm not on social oh. media. And do you know what? There was part of me that went, good for you. Like jealous a little bit of that. Yeah. Right? But yet there's well, no reason I can't do that. And so I, I guess know, I'm, I am still internally wrestling with like, yeah. I don't think the answer is to completely off of social media, but I do think the answer is a lot firmer like guardrails around right and i don't know what those are just yet but yeah part of it's like putting your phone down but sometimes i wonder if we also need guardrails for when my phone's not down like what am i I able to do what am i allowing myself to do i even feel that like okay just because i'm like a writer right so i've got a little bit of pressure to kind of in my own mind or because of the industry i've got some pressure to want to serve an audience right some of it's right and some it's fair Yeah, yeah i think that's fair Um, but what I, here's where I struggle. I'm pretty active on Instagram. I'm not very active on Facebook. I'm not very active on threads. I'm not very active on Twitter at all. The other option, TikTok, I'm not active on at all, but there is this voice in the back of my head. That's like, you're not doing enough. You need to be on those sites. You need to be. And there's a part of me that's kind of like, well, could Instagram just be enough? Like it Mm. feels like so much pressure to be like, I have to post here. I have to post here. I have to post here or I'm irrelevant. No one's going to hear my message. I just, I don't know. Something about that feels like some weird, vicious cycle of just like hustling and running. And uh, what's that old, the the mouse on the the hamster on the wheel? On the wheel, yes, yes, yes. And yet you see the people who are like, 
launching careers and doing the thing are on all those sites. So it, that to me is like a, it's a very bizarre pressure that I sometimes am like, no, I will only be on Instagram. <laughs> you know what I yes, mean? And it sounds so yes. silly to even like, if I step out of myself and hear that, it sounds so ridiculous, but I just think that pressure is real. Uh, absolutely. And uh, I actually think yours is legit because you are right. Like we just talked earlier, you're releasing a book. Yeah. Now I thought it was in months. It's like in a year, but you're yeah. finishing it in the process and you can't, you know, as, as long as your name's not JK Rowling or John mm -hmm. Grisham, like you have to use every ability to leverage yeah. your book. Yeah. But that doesn't mean therefore social media can reign your life and, uh, yeah, and, and have reign over you. And so, you know, I think, what you know the article was talking about that you were referencing earlier is like it does keep i think the imagery of our heads spinning mm -hmm. uh that they talk about in this is such good imagery because sometimes i feel like mm -hmm. my head is so full of stuff but it's not stuff that matters yeah and it's like i check twitter i check this oh this yep. person did this and you're like i miss i need more times in my week where uh, and again, this is a hundred percent on me. This is the fa this is the weird part of the conversation. If I were listening to this, I'd be like, "Dude, then just put your phone away. Just get off. Yeah, just get off the internet." Or it's just the get struggle, off but mm -hmm. I will. I will at least own the fact that I think I live distracted. Yeah, often just because things are at my fingertips and yeah. I can check them, check them, check them, check them. Yeah. Uh, and at one of these points, I just need to go. You know what? I'm going to change course here and do right. something different. That right. I think that imagery of your head spinning is a really good one. Yeah. So this is Jen Pollock Michelle. She's at her Substack writing this, and I'll just here's a funny little side note, Brian. I, I was reading this earlier today. Something about it reminded me, oh yeah, my friend invited me to go on this movie app. I should start an account right now. And I swear I spent 15 minutes on this other random app that I had no intention of doing at the moment instead of finishing this article about how your mind is spinning because of all the online distractions. And I was like, whoa, this is like inception. I'm living the point of this message right now i wasted 15 minutes of my life and i missed right. the article but when i finally <laughs> read it <laughs> here's what here's what jen pollock michelle is, is saying she says she's quoting some other people but she says um we won't recover attention by choice alone there is more at play than our good and bad digital choices when it comes to attentional deficits. There is an environment we inhabit that doesn't support good choices. She's quoting Matthew B. Crawford here. He's the author of a book called The World Beyond Your Head. She says, he reminds us in his book that our contemporary crisis is a crisis of attention. Mm. Attention, which he defines as that which determines what is real for us. But here's the point. It isn't solicited, it's stolen. He mm. writes, this is Matthew B. Crawford, attention isn't simply ours to direct at will. Then Crawford goes on to uh, propose something called a jig. I've never heard this term before. But a jig is, quote, a device or procedure that guides a repeated action 
by constraining the environment in such a way as to make the action go smoothly, the same each time without having to think about it. A jig reduces the degrees of freedom that are afforded by the environment. A church liturgy is a jig, so that's not a bad thing. A supermarket layout is a jig. Suburban sprawl is a jig. Mm. But she talks about how a jig then foregrounds and backgrounds one thing. It triggers a habit of action. So essentially, like, would a jig, a jig could be positive or a jig could be negative. Like a jig could be the fact that these apps make it easy for us to be distracted and it's repeated and it's smoother and it upgrades and we want more. A jig could also be we're like, we're not going to do that. We're going to choose something else. But the point, the, but the point of sort of the, the spinning mind, I think is exactly exactly what's going on it's interesting to think it's a little out of our control i totally feel that and i get challenged the more and more we talk about this because steve and i talked about this last week oh you did you're writing a sermon not this i mean we talk about this concept all the time right yeah uh but you're writing a sermon and then you're just like tired you would probably dealt with this writing a book last week and you're like let's see what's on twitter Mm -hmm. you're not just giving up those two minutes it then takes you like time to get back to in back to come yes. back and that's yep. the that's what the distracted life looks like like mm-hmm. hey i'm with my kids ah let me just check my email real fast mm-hmm. hey i'm with so and so let me quickly sneak a peek at facebook mm-hmm. and that distraction isn't just in that moment it perpetuates itself yeah. and that's what we're talking about here you're just constantly distracted bouncing from one thing to one thing and your mm-hmm. mind feels full of nothingness mm-hmm. like i do think this is this is difficult and i think people who can figure this out and not live this way are probably set up to be quote unquote more successful <laughs> like in our day and age to be able to right, be right. more productive and I also think be deeper right. thinkers mm-hmm. yeah it's it, it's very interesting something that i know we'll keep talking about because we have talked about but what are going to be some meaningful changes for all of us as a society to to start I don't know, being less spinny, I guess is the way to put it. Hey, speaking of, we're going to talk a little bit about our morning routines, how we start our day. And then I even want to talk about our evening routines, how we end our day and what that says about us. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everybody, welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. Glad you're with us. Hey, it's the end of the show. It's, I mean, we're we're officially into the new year, but I feel like this is a little bit of New Year's conversation yeah. connected to something we were just talking about, distraction, you know, how, how our minds are spinning, how our attention is waning as a society. And so what can we do about that? And I think one of those kind of meaningful things you can do is have a meaningful morning routine and like oh. set your day well. But I wanted to bring this up, Brian, because I used to be a really good morning routine person. And I think in the last like year, I've kind of lost my way a little bit. Mm. So I wanted us to get open about like, what is our morning routine? Sh- what should it look like? Or what do we wish it looked like? But what does it actually look like? Oh, that's going to make me feel guilty because I know, I know, I know. I'm always, if there's nothing going on, I'm yeah. always the first one up in the house, usually yeah. by a good amount. Now, this is if yeah. nobody has to get up for anything. Right, right. Uh, it's different on a school day. It's different sure. on whatever else. But um, like a day like today, I'm the first one up. Yeah. I go downstairs and I have every ability to read my Bible. Yeah. I have every ability to go to the journal to do whatever. Yeah. 
I tend to uh, take the dogs outside, mm-hmm. sit down, and turn on SportsCenter. <laughs> <laughs> and Brian, also I'm the so Today excited. Show. Can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah. I just don't. You have to take the dogs outside in this weather. It's been bad. It's been bad. That's now, they're so very bad. fast because they're okay. not like. They don't want to be out either. They do not want to be yeah. out there. And okay. every dog owner knows the struggle right now because some of yeah. your dogs are like, I'm not peeing. And you're like, you better pee because like we're out here. <laughs> you have to pee. <laughs> so yeah, we've dug a little part out of our front yard just where there's not deep snow so they can walk. No, it's bad. It's I see people walking their dogs right now and I'm like. That's Gosh, <laughs> glad I am not a dog owner right now. Okay, back to Good the main stuff. point. So you end, you could do X Y Z. You end up watching Good Morning America and or the Today Show and Sports Center, or basically. the Today Show. Sorry, Sports Center. And you know, yeah. I'll make myself some breakfast or I'll mm-hmm. do whatever. But I tend to be pretty lazy, and I don't mean that in a bad way. But I tend yeah. to be lazy. But also, all too often. I will immediately. This is where I need to do better. Where I could do something more constructive, like. um you know, read my Bible or have a yeah. book that I'm reading or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, Cause often I will, while watching those things get right on my computer, start answering emails, start mm-hmm. doing stuff for the radio oh, show, man. all yes. things that need to be done. Right. But if you had more of a routine, you could, you know what, before I do that, because uh-huh. basically you could picture what's happening. I'm sitting on the couch. I've got my laptop on my lap, starting to yep. do work while yep. sports center or the today show is yep. on. Yep. And there is an opportunity to go, you know what I'm going to do instead? I'm going to like, uh, I'm going to read for 20 minutes and then yeah. I'm going to take out my computer yeah. and I'm going to do that yeah. stuff. I tend to jump right into work, uh, right into, um, and then it gets back to what we talked about last time because, or last segment, because sometimes it's not work. Sometimes it's, yeah, let's peruse Facebook for a little let's see while. What's going on on, the, on social media? What happened okay, on Twitter? What's... Let's read about what happened in in the world around me. So, uh, yeah, I could I could probably start my morning more productively. Do you feel an urgency to change though? Or are you kind of like, eh, it's really not that big of a deal? Uh. I don't feel an urgency to change, which is right. probably why I haven't or changed. You would, right? I think it would be it would be beneficial for mm-hmm. me to change to make mm-hmm. some changes, but. I, yeah. Quite frankly, if I felt an urgency to do it, I would, have done, I would it. have done it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what's your ideal? Like if in an ideal world, what's your ideal morning? Or is that your ideal morning? It is. If I could map out again, this becomes hard because this is on those few days where the kids are not at school. Of course. Yeah, of course. I wish that, you know, and having two jobs makes this difficult. I think I you and I struggle with that, but yeah. I wish less than having reading time in the morning. I wish I that was when I went to the gym or when I worked mm. out, did something in the summertime, went for a walk or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I wish that I made that that's because it becomes really hard to get those things into later times of the day. Sure. And so sure. uh, for me, if I could change something, I would I'm always a little jealous. I always think they're crazy. But I'm always also a little jealous of the people who get up at like five in the morning and go to I the gym. Know. I know. And you're like, gosh, I, I thought I was an early riser at like 615. But man, right. that's like next level. But that's they've said, level. I'm doing this. Yep. They're I'm going to go get it. it done and yep. get it over with. And I've and always respected. Done. I've always respected that. And I do think I have that in me because I tend to be an earlier riser. I don't think I would. I'm not. 
I'm not an early to bed guy, but I become much less productive as the night goes on. That's sure. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So I feel like I used to kind of be the ideal morning person or at least in my mind. Yeah. Like I would get up. I, oh, I'm with you. I'm always the first one up in my house, period. Uh huh. So I would get up. I would like, if it's winter time, I like light my fire. I'm journaling. I'm reading my Bible or some, you know, some meaningful spiritual book, just sort of like, quiet start to the morning and then the kids wake up and like (laughs) and i don't know what has happened it might be the reality of two jobs like you said but i now wake up and it's like get my coffee turn on the computer plan the show the show ends up moving me to like oh i got to do my family budget oh i've got emails to answer and before i know it it's like 6 30 a.m and i'm like full into work mode and i have like I have definitely lost the art of the morning routine for sure. Now, here's what's interesting. I made a New Year's resolution. I don't know if you'll think this is interesting. I made a New Year's resolution to start staying up later at night because I am a grandma. Like, I go to bed so early. I am such a grandma. And so I'm like, maybe I could have more of an evening routine where I read in the evening and I'm quiet in the evening if I stay up later, right? And so I've actually done pretty well. I'm not necessarily reading my Bible or journaling, but I'm reading good books or I'm, you know, enjoying time with Kevin or whatever. But I have to tell you, it makes the morning harder because now I'm just real tired. I'm so tired. So I don't know how long I can keep, keep up my New Year's resolution. You described yourself as a grandma. Yeah. So when did you used to go to bed and when does your new, are we talking like nine and now it's 10? Or are we talking like nine 30? Now it's 11, 15. What so are we talking about? I here? used, I used to go. I mean, like consistently I went to bed between eight 30 and nine. No, you didn't. I'm not joking. I'm not joke. I'm not exaggerating. Like I'd be like, peace out everybody. Cause when I and say I'm not a night person, a- when I say I'm not a night yeah. person, I'm still going to bed at like 10 30, 10 15. No, I, I am a grandma. Like I, ha- I don't go to bed like a normal adult. And most of the grandmas like, out there, right? Most of the grandmas out there right now are like, "Why are you going to bed so early?" <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Maybe I'm a great grandma. <laughs> uh, as a result, I was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed in the morning. You know what I mean? Um, and I would go to bed and I would like kind of read, but like two pages, and then I'm out. You know, yes. or like I would like try to watch a show on Netflix, but I'm out. So it's not like I was up there just having a quiet evening to myself, literally falling asleep. So we, Kevin and I kind of joke, like I'm the morning parent. He's the night parent. Cause he actually loves to sleep in. So, uh, now I've been actually really proud of myself. I've been staying up to like 11. Oh my but goodness. I'm, Brian, I'm so tired. So I have to find a better happy medium. Like, yeah, you went drastic there. What's the what's the reasonable what's the reasonable bedtime for me as a forty five year old woman? I who think has to get up. At, let's say has to get up by six the next. I morning. think like whatever your nighttime routine is, you have to read or whatever. I would say if if I had been running your if I had been running your same schedule, I think yes. a a reasonable expectation is I'm getting under the covers at ten o'clock. Okay. All right. That feels like maybe a maybe. I think I went too far in my. New I think so too. Okay. So do you still want those eight hours or seven yeah. hours? Yeah. That gives you that you're saying you're hanging out with your kids yeah. and your husband, but I yeah. eleven feels drastic to me. Okay. Okay. All right. I think I, I went too extreme. All right. Well, yes, we would I love agree. to hear from you. What are your morning routines? What are your evening routines? Let us know on social media at Common Good Talk. Hey, we'll be back again tomorrow, where it's going to be freezing cold. So I'm sure we'll talk about the weather a lot from 4 to 6 p.m. 
For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.